Hello and welcome to the Rough Guide to Everywhere live at the London Podcast Festival. Thank you very much. My name is Greg Dickinson. I'm an editor at Rough Guides and I'm also the host of the Rough Guide to Everywhere podcast. If you've listened to the podcast before, we tell all the stories that you'll never hear in the guidebook, all of the juicy stuff. We've traveled all around the world on our podcast. We've traveled to Patagonia, into outer space. In the new series that launches next week, we will even be taking you to North Korea. But tonight, we are talking about London town. Uh, I've just finished editing the Rough Guide to London guidebook, but we want to hear the stories beyond the guidebook. We want to hear from the from local Londoners. In fact, we should have uh, our update from the Rough Guide to London. Henry in the crowd somewhere. Henry, say hi. Hi, Henry. How's the day going? Good. Uh, <laughs> right, but without further ado, I'm going to introduce my brilliant panellists tonight. So to my left, we've got Sonia Barber. Sonia is the news and events editor at Time Out London. Sonia grew up in Gooch Street, just down the road from here. Born in Gooch Street and grew up in Highbury. Are you a, you a gooner? I've never been to a match. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but my garden backed onto the stadium, so it's kind of by proxy, okay. I guess I am, yeah. So you can hear the cheers and boos yeah. while... Uh, okay. Uh, but you now live in Dalston, so he lives in Dalston, and recently wrote the book uh, East London, An Opinionated Guide, out with Hoxton Mini Press. So everyone, a big round of applause for Sonia, please. <laughs> to Sonia's left, we have Jeremiah Brown, a.k.a. Sugar J Poet. Now, Jeremiah grew up in South London in Croydon, uh, but he's performed all around London as a spoken word poet. And very recently, he hit the national spotlight, performing his poem face to face on a nationwide TV advert, which you may recognize him from. Everyone, a big round of applause for Jeremiah, please. And last, but certainly not least, you may have guessed, we have none other than Diane Gould, the pearly queen of St. Pancras. Now, Diane's mother was from Islington, father from King's Cross, born and bred Londoner, and now she's pearly royalty. So please put your hands together for our three guests tonight. Now, for the listeners at home, I feel I need to describe your outfit, <laughs> Diane. You are wearing a fantastic pearly outfit, homemade, I believe. Oh, yes. And could you, could you please describe to anyone who's not familiar with the pearlies, what does it mean to be the pearly queen of St Pancras? Um, it depends how long you have. So I'll put it in a, in a nutshell, OK? So I've got my tip for tat on, right? It's got 15 os ostrich wing feathers, because you wouldn't do things by arse. My whistle, <laughs> it's got pearl buttons on, all different types of pearl buttons. There's oyster shell buttons and there's real authentic pearl buttons, OK? Different designs on them which have a meaning to the pearly kings and queens. And each family had uh, different logos or meanings, so you had the ups and downs in life and all the friends and family in between. You had the hearts, which mean love and charity, the horseshoe for luck. I got the spoons on, because my dad was Alfie Spoons, used to play the old spoons. <laughs> and obviously the moniker. So we're sixth generation pearly kings and queens from this manor. And this is where the pearly tradition started, right here. Summerstown, yeah? Henry Croft, he was left on the steps of St Pancras Workhouse in the 1870s. He grew up in the St Pancras Workhouse. Age 13, he was kicked out onto the street and he became a road sweeper and a rat catcher around this manor. He liked the Costa mongers, so the Costa Munger, Costa Apple, Old Apple, Munger being seller. That's where the name comes from. 
So you had 28 market districts, 28 boroughs in London, and each borough in London elected a pearly king and queen, a Costa king and queen first, to look after the interest of the markets. So if a, if a family fell on hard times, they'd have a collect and they'd help out. But growing up down Chapel Market, just down the road, witnessing as a little saucepan lid, all my me, all me family, <laughs> and my Uncle Alfie was a banana king. If they were good at something, they were made kings, just because they looked after the community. This is where the community started, right? They always had a listening ear. You had to watch everything because it was your livelihood. But you cared about the community because they were your lifeblood and they cared about you. So this is what community is about. So anyway, backtracking to old Henry. <laughs> Old Henry Croft. So he grew up, he got slung out when he was 13 on the streets of King's Cross St Pancras. There he was, he met the old pearly king, uh, the Costa mongers, the Costa kings and queens and all the market traders around the area. He admired their panache because they used to sew a line of pearl buttons down their me down clothes and around their waistcoats and flash arry, that's where the term comes from. Henry, as legend has it, and I know because my great granddad was his china plate down at Charlton Street, <laughs> like, you know what it means. And uh, as legend has it, that Henry appeared one day in a top hat and a full pearly suit with, with towels. It was called a smother suit because it was covered. You know, you couldn't see much material. There he was with a little container collecting for all the hospitals around the area. They went, he, he weren't sure if they were going to bash him. He was taking the, you know, mickey out of them. The, the costers went, whoa, you know, Henry, you're doing such a great thing. I'm only saying... What, what I can imagine they said, because my dad told me the stories as, he, as his granddad told him. And they each, so each one became, each Costa king became a pearly king and queen. And their little prince and princesses carried on their tradition. So for our blood, it's about community, it's about loving everyone, it's about caring about everyone. So it's a tradition that I feel really passionate about. There's not many of the, the, the old Costa mongers and, and pearly kings and queens left. So it's a story about community, about connect connectedness, and about raising funds or just doing a good turn for someone that can't do it themselves, you know. Thank you very much. A brilliant introduction to the, the Pearlies. We'll, we'll hear a lot more about the Pearlies oh, tonight. No, I want to give you a bit of a breath, because that was <laughs> fantastic. Now, Jeremiah, so you grew up and live in Croydon, South London. Now, I'm going to be completely straight with you. Croydon is not in the Rough Guide to London. <laughs> Should it be? Yes. <laughs> um, I feel that Croydon, as someone who engages with London uh, via the poetry scene a lot, um, Croydon gets a lot of a, uh, um, I think abuse is the correct <laughs> word. Um, uh, and there's a lot, I don't, I don't know if you guys are all on Twitter, um, but there was a point on Twitter where uh, Croydon became the subject of a lot of banter. And um, banter is, is a nice way of saying abuse. People were abusing Croydon on Twitter, um, saying you need a passport to get there. Um, well, because it's so far out of yeah, central London. Yeah, because it's so far away. We've got trams, though. We've got trams, exactly. That was another point of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> I meant that in a good way. <laughs> I feel like it's a good thing. But I think Croydon is um, its just so, it's quite different. There's that kind of that sense of it, it's like a city, but then it's also kind of not like a city as well. Um, and it's very sort of self-contained, but also very well-connected. Mm. Um, so it's almost a bit of, it's just a bit of a strange anomaly. 
Um, but Croydon's great. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned you're part of the spoken word scene. You're, are you in like a collective, did I say? Yeah, so I'm in a collective called Spit the Atom. Um, we're a poetry collective. Uh, I'm also a Barbican young poet as well um, and a roundhouse resident artist. All right. While, while we're on the topic, would, would you mind performing a poem for us tonight? Yeah, yeah, I can do a poem. Um, this one is, is, is uh, about London, so I'm going to read it because all my other poems that I know off by heart are really sad and depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I said that like this is not sad and depressing. <laughs> uh, this is called Adelaide Street. I was uh, Charing Cross, there's a street called Adelaide Street. I was there, and this is basically what happened when I was there. Why do these poems have more skid marks than the roads do? The dead crust of feces smeared across the street by mortified shoe bottoms. Why do bin liners cover exposed flesh? Banana peel and fruit yogurt vying for prime position in tangles of knotted hair, litter picking for little pickings. My insides have been thoroughly cleansed with dirt, grains and grime that grind but do not sustain. Empty Cafe Nero cup asking for something to sweeten this bitter shot of poverty. I have brethren with puncture marks like their forearms are the rubbers we used to press pencils into. On the streets of London, near Charing Cross, in the same bubble of decadence as the Savoy, I see them. Men in puffed up jackets and oversized ripped jeans, stonewashed turned green with dirt. These men laugh and wrestle throwing each other around as though they weren't bearded men, simply kids on a playground. Is paradise a smile in conditions of hell? Or are we conditioned to be content? Should this make us vent the dust from revolutionary lungs up this same road? A chauffeur sat on his phone, fingers flitting away, window rolled up warm in the heat of the wealthy man's Rolls Royce. Paradise is a pretense, so they might have peace in their good things. The idea of a multiverse is not so complex. The scientists have it wrong. We share the same earth, but each man inhabits a different world. Round of applause to everyone. Jeremiah, that's beautiful. Thank you very much for performing that. Um, Sonia, I want to talk to you about your job at Time Out <clears throat> London. So you're the news and events editor, right? Yeah. So at Rough Guys, there's this annoying thing where everyone assumes that it's the best job in the world, and it is a very good job, but the first thing anyone says to you is, oh, so you're basically just constantly travelling and having fun. That must happen to you a lot as well, being yeah. a, a news and events All editor. All the time, people are like, you must be out every night and every day. So my question to you is, is it the best job in the world? <laughs> I mean, I'm mostly just sat in the office. That's first off, you know, one myth debunked. Um, no, it is a great job and it's a really, uh, it's a privilege to be able to know about stuff that's gonna come up and that's happening in London before everyone else does and be able to pick and choose uh, what we put in the magazine and put online. And, you know, I feel like it's important because we have a, we have a very big audience and they will go to a lot of things. And so if we write about a really small event, it mm. kind of can get really sold out and kind of really grow from that. And I think that's 
a really special thing that we can do. But yeah, I do get to go out a lot, yeah. But, yeah. Been, but I've been at Time Out a long time. And I'm quite old, and so I feel like... I don't go out as much as I used to. I'm a bit more picky now. Are you, yeah, you, you've changed the types of event that you're, you're personally Yeah, I mean, now. like, free food and booze is not just... I will not... That's not a draw now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think it is about events that make... In London, does London have, like, a specifically unique event scene compared to the rest of the country's cities? I think things... Uh, there's so much going on in London. Mm. I mean, I went to uni in Leeds. Obviously, I was like born and bred in London and then I went to uni in Leeds and I was very confused by the lack of stuff that was happening. Uh, but actually it meant that I went to more stuff because if there's like one good gig happening during the week, you'll probably go. Whereas if in London there's like 1,700 great gigs happening, you know, every week and I, I don't go to any of them. Yeah, it's always um, just comfortable to know that they're happening. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they yeah. are happening. I'm not going to any of them, but yeah. London's a very I wrote about city. them. That's pretty much like going to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot happening. I think it's, you know, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of stuff happening. People in London want whatever they're doing to be the biggest, the first, the best, the coolest, the most underground, the most secret, I don't know. So one cliche about London that I feel gets banded around a bit, and you touched on this before, Diane, is the idea that community spirit in London is either dead or dwindling. Like how many people in this room know the name of their next door neighbor? Or, you know, if you go down to a local pub, do, do you get a pint put in your hand as soon as you go in? And Diane, I'm assuming that that may have been something when you, when you were growing up in London, there maybe was a stronger community spirit? <clears throat> well, the difference was there weren't so many cars, right? And we had these houses we could live in on the streets. Talking about South London, because that's my most vivid memory, was growing up on, in, in these like, lovely old houses with areas. They were called areas, like they were basements, which are made into posh flats now. But the thing was, there weren't so many cars, all the families, generally families lived like, and then the uncle would live in one house, the auntie lived in another house. It was like that, so the communities were tighter. But that made it, you know, it was, it was monitored a bit more. Like, okay, so if I was a really naughty girl, the auntie out there would say, look, yeah, and that, you know, there was this sort of coming together of, of this, this co-collective, I suppose, that old saying that it takes a, a village or a town to raise a child is our street. See, see, the thing that I find, right, it only takes one bad apple, yeah? One bad apple to sort of upset something. And, and generally, that, that's what... So, so they were kept at a distance. They weren't, they weren't blackballed or anything like that. They were just kept at a distance. And, and we all sort of joined together, playing up on the streets. Mm. That was a great thing. Going on the bomb sites, playing on the bomb sites in London. I learnt lots. Going up and down in Kent, I learnt so lots. So bomb sites, you say? Bomb sites, yeah. Which bomb sites would you Oh, go God. There, there were loads in London. There were loads. I mean, they've all been redeveloped now. Yeah. Um, but it's nice because you've got a lot of green space. The most green space in London, in the, I, I think, in the world, or at least in the UK. In Europe, I think. It's in the Europe, that's city it. In Europe, yeah. So he's got the stats. I don't know much. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know if you want me to elaborate, but... No, it's just interesting to hear. And do you think, from your experience, do you think that there has been a shift away from that kind of everyone in the row of houses knows each other? There ain't no houses much anymore. Right, OK, truth be known, right? They knocked all these houses down and said they were derelict and condemned. Well, they weren't. They weren't. It's just they wanted to build these flats and these estates, the Aylesbury Estate, the Agate Estate, because I was South London at the time. I knew people that lived on them. they become... Luckily, we didn't get, our family didn't get put on them. But they, they become, like, really disjointed and people... that It, it ripped the, the heart out of the community because we was all connected and, and we respected each other. 
but we're led to believe that's not true. Well, I know it is true. There is community in London, you know, the likes of Jeremiah and, and Sonia, you know, the, the, the lovely stuff that they do to put it out there, all these different <coughs> events to connect people up, even if it's a knitting group, a poetry group. Just become part of it, and then you become mates. You know, China plates like it's easy because we've got everything. We've got everyone has everything in common, right? It's just we're led to believe we ain't because it keeps us quite like. So I believe in it. Yeah. No. Again, it's interesting hearing you speak because the way that you're speaking, like using a lot of Cockney rhyming slang, there's actually it's quite poetic, and it's a similar. I mean, it's a completely different world, but I guess it's a kind of similar sort of thing to what you're doing with Spit the Atom. Like, what, what is the community like in the spoken word poetry world? Um, I think the poetry scene has a beautiful sense of community, just in the kind of the more that you get into it, the more so, sort of support. So obviously it's based around um, an art form. And so you're, you kind of go into the scene to develop you know, your art form, but then you also meet such a diverse group of people and you meet such... Um, unique people as well and I think the the great thing about the kind of the poetry and the spoken word scene is that okay you're there and you're making poetry but poetry is you can't give anything in regards to poetry unless you're living unless you're taking stuff in and so you get a community that's really concerned with living and with doing things and with kind of being kind of together and I think that's an amazing thing and then you have groups like Barbican Young Poets for example where it's a sense of community and so when opportunities kind of come up or when things are happening these groups are tied together and they're interlinked and so I think it's a really special um, a special group. Did you used to host events am I right thinking? In yeah Georgia? so yeah I used to host um, not too far from here I used to host a night um, with my collective uh, Spit the Atom at Slam. It's really cool because you attract different kinds of people and so you bring them into a room um, and they're all like just super awkward to start off with and you kind of, you go up on stage and you're, you're just super awkward in general as well so you're all laughing about being super awkward. Um, but you know, you're, you, you start with an audience of people who don't know you or maybe half of them know you so you're able to be super weird and know that okay, half the audience know me so they're going to laugh. And then the other half of the audience are going to be like, oh, okay, he's weird, but they like it. <laughs> so it's all right. Um, and then so by the end of it, there's this connection between you as the host and then the people that are kind of coming up as well. And you, we had open mics, so you had people coming up and then we'd have features who are coming and they're like delivering these amazing sets of poetry. One of the best things uh, for me is we had... Um, we had a feature once, Anita, Anita Barton-Williams, um, and she's, she's incredible, but she did her set. And then afterwards, people, I always remember it, because people came up and they were like, she changed the way that I view things, and she changed the way that I'm viewing people and the way that I approach the world. And I think that's also kind of something that's really special about poetry mm -hmm. as well. Um, and I think there are nights like that happening all over, all over London. Um, yeah, loads of loads of nights that are that are doing it. And Do you think really something special. on on the rise then? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, like Boxed In, for example, is a night that happens at Box Park Shoreditch, um, and they they have a, a like a wide 
like plethora of different people that are kind of coming in. Mother Tongues is a project um, that Victoria Bully is doing. Um, so Mother Tongues, for example, is um, a project where poets and their mothers, but their mothers uh, uh, speak different languages. Uh, so it's their mothers translating their po poetry into their mother tongue, oh, wow. which is incredible. Um, it's just a very special thing to kind of be a part of and mm. to have so many things like that as well. Amazing. Sonia, so you've recently researched East London and Opinionated Guides, and you live in Dalston, is that right? Yeah. So talking about community, so Dalston, I used to live in Dalston myself, and there's obviously got uh, a load of hipsters and yuppies living there, but you've also got a really strong uh, Turkish community and yeah. Beng Bengali community there as well. How do you think the community spirit works there? How does it function? I think it's probably changed quite a lot over the last however many years. Like I grew up not very far, just in Highbury, and a lot of my friends uh, grew up in Dalston. So I used to get, so I used to go to their parents' houses and then get the bus back. And it was quite like I was quite scared as a young goth. Um, yeah, like I mean, I'm just now a grown-up goth. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, I went to school in Camden. Um, so. Yeah, it was. It, it felt much edgier and different, and obviously now it's much more gentrified and full of hipsters and stuff. But I feel like there is, there are a lot of communities that mingle, and if you go out on the weekend in Dawson or like on a weekday, you'll see lots of different uh, people just doing their shopping, going about their business, and there's just like there's a really yeah, as you say, there's a really strong Turkish community. There was just the uh, like last weekend there was the Hackney Carnival, mm. and that. It was pissing it down with rain, but Ridley Road was just full of sound systems and there was a mix of just like kind of everyone dancing in the rain. It was a very British experience, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and there was like, you know, a Jamaican man sold me uh, something, a punch out of a box that apparently had four different types of rum in it that yeah. I, you know. How did that go down? I mean, <laughs> it went down. Um, <laughs> It was very sweet. Yeah. He said it was a creeper, whatever. Right. It was going to, like, get me drunk <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. And I don't want to talk about that. I'm fine. I bought it. Yeah. Uh, it's two for a fiver. Uh, it was cold. Um, but, yeah, and there was lots of, like, hipster kids dancing and old people. And I feel like free f festivals that we were, like, sitting in Gillette Square and there was kids and there was kind of like old people and everyone was kind of all mingling and you know mm. there was you know people eating Ethiopian food and kind of I don't know it was great and I think it's still there but at, if you go out at night it's just full of kind of people pilgrimaging there to mm. for the night yeah, it's now a destination to go yeah. without necessarily having anything booked you there's, just go to Dalston there's community stuff happening there there's the uh, Dalston Curve Garden, which yeah. is a nice community space, uh, and they have, you know, you can go and volunteer and garden there and stuff like that. So there is kind of communities in there, um, but I think it's there's lots of different communities working, probably slightly independently, but crossover at yeah. points. Diane, we were talking before the show, so we're currently in Kings Cross St Pancras uh, area, and this used to be very different to what it is now. It's recently had millions and millions of pounds pumped into it. But presumably, I mean, what was it like back in the day? <clears throat> well, uh, reflecting on dead stories, he'd he, he done many spoken stories as well. And this place was little hell. It was regarded as little hell because it was the most slummiest place in the whole of London. 
This area was, was just awful because of maybe housing conditions and the prostitution and everything that was really dark in London was sort of focused here. But the community still stays strong, as, as listening to Sonia and Jeremiah. There's always the heart of the community that sort of just lets that carry on around it. So now witnessing um, this, what's happening on the old manor, I weren't best pleased. So, you know, you know, because Dad used to swim in the Regent's Canal, right? He's swimming it. He's swimming it, yeah, because you know, kids did. They could then, you know. I mean, I, I was standing on the edge, and I really fancy jumping in just for the hell of it, because you know? <laughs> I can swim. For, I really did. The, the the Idris, that was a drinks factory, used to have their um, their uh, factory in just on the edge of the canal, and they used to pump out all this stuff. And the kids thought it was great because it was warm. So they should jump. It was probably like toxins and poison. <laughs> but you know, he lasted till he was 83, so he, he, that didn't kill him off. Um, and Camley Natural Park, around the corner, you know, where just before he passed away, we'd done a, an art, art installation because being pearlies, you know, sometimes their costume, our tradition, and that, you know, uh, different artist groups like to you know, work with us, which is marvellous because it gets our tradition out. And I, as you can see, I'm quite passionate about it. So we've done this art installation. It was around Camley Gardens, Nature Park. But Dad, right, Dad used to work there as a coalman, you know, driving the old coal horses. And so he regaled them. I've still got it on video. He regaled them with all these stories about when he worked down Camley, when it was an old coal, coal mine. You know, the thing, the thing is, it was such tough times. It ain't much different to what's trying to be happen now. You know, so just very quickly, naming no names, but Argent, the, the developers, I, I was telling my... <laughs> lovely people, right? Lovely people. Really nice people. Ain't got a Scooby, right? So they've, <laughs> they've, they've gentrified all this place up and they've made wonderful stuff. And they got in touch with me and I'd done a chat for their directors. And they loved it, Admiral Scene and all that. Because in the um, visitor centre around the old corner there, they need stuff, they need stuff of the manor, but it's like paying lip service to it. I don't do stuff like that. So then I gave them a great idea, or we gave them a great idea, that let's have a community event, because what they was finding, oh, they got all these glossy books, they got loads of them. Whole oh, come to King's Cross and all this eyebrow stuff and all that. Marvellous, right? But what they couldn't do was engage local people, because the local people would be a bit frightened. Not frightened, but I don't, I don't understand all this art stuff. I do on my own level, but when it's sort of like a bit, uh, out there, right? But abstract. That, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. I said to him, Stable Street, you've got all that area there. Let, let's do a weekend. I've got some nice, I've got two pearly cabs. I've got the Brennett World Collection, the old, you know, let's bring, let's bring the community back to London for a weekend and get the community people. I'll go out to the community and say, look, they're not really scary, Argent. They want to give you all jobs, right? Would they do, right? Because they don't get it really. They put, 40 or 60 Aston Martin, so the poor people can go and look at them. In the, in the granaries, could, you, you can't make it up, can you? That's ridiculous. So what does that tell you, how detached they are from what really community is? And so it was like trying to pull teeth. I'm just working on that. Because it's, you know, gentrification. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's extremely hard, like, to not do it in a way that offends locals or that goes against what the area is about. The locals wouldn't be offended if they was included and they was, yeah. they was allowed to be understanding what's going on and, and, and they were respected as human beings, not because they ain't got that much bees and honey. You know, I was in the Summerstown, as I say, and they said to me, right, I've done the Summerstown's Festival. They went, here, girl, you're wasting your time. I said, what do you mean, right? They went, you're wasting your time. They're clearing us all out of here. There'd be nothing left for us. And it, it was sad. Yeah. So, well, it's something that 
I mean, it's happening in Croydon as well, right? Because you've yeah. basically had a copy and paste formula of Box Park Shoreditch, which is, if anyone's not been before, it's kind of like a series of pop-ups selling cool stuff and clothes and loads of mm. brands. And it works there because that's a creative part of town. And it's always been like that, even before when it was part of the old walls of London, Shoreditch is the creative quarter of London. But in Croydon, what they've done is they've basically almost airlifted that concept and dropped it. Uh, is it East Croydon Station? Yeah. So is that something that you can do? Like, how do you, how do you feel like that's gone down? It's, it's really, it's strange. Um, I think kind of as with anything, there's pros and cons to it. I think when you, so I really like the idea of it because it can also be transformed into a performance venue. Um, so when the likes of Stormzy, who's from Croydon, does a pop-up show, in like there's actually a place for him to be able to come and do a show that is like amazing that's a sense of kind of community that is a sense of like i'm from here i'm coming back here i'm gonna give you something for free you know i've been to poetry nights there which again is cool there's a space for things to kind of happen but even the night that i went to that was there you know was sort of shafted out of there um oh really why, why? kind of dealing with the landlord uh, yeah. who, who kind of they don't okay. want them there anymore. But the shops that are kind of there, like why am I gonna go to Box Park to go and eat for a tenner when I can go to West Croydon and you know I can get chicken and chips from Boss Man for three quid? Like, <laughs> it just, it's, I, I just, I, I'm, I, it's not, it's not gonna happen. Like I can grab a patty for like a pound out yeah. just if I go and walk for ten minutes. So the, the, it that's kind of how it works is that there's this kind of price point and it's got that central London price point mm. um, and anyone who tries to buy food in central London knows that it feels like you're pouring money out of your wallet onto the ground <laughs> it just feels, that's just exactly what it feels like so when when you kind of bring that back to Croydon as well it's, it's really disheartening so Sonia you're kind of I guess East London and opinionated guide you're on the front line of this conversation a little bit. Yeah. And I've got this just question of like, cause you know, artists originally would have lived in Shoreditch and then Dalston and Hackney and now it's spreading up to Tottenham and Hackney Wick and Leighton beyond South. and Leighton. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes what's gonna happen when it gets so far out that you're just in the home counties? Because like, where, <laughs> like where are the genuine artists and students gonna go? And maybe it's already happened. Like South people, London. South London. That's where they're going. <laughs> place to be. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Croydon. Yeah. I've heard it's <laughs> yeah. great. We've got a great box park. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it does feel like everyone's moving further out. I know all my friends are moving out. Um, Hackney Wick feels kind of quite soulless and a little bit like, you know, I think it's when brands get involved that suddenly everything starts to feel really boring and bland. Yeah, um, I agree. So it's when someone you know, who's in a drinks company is like, ooh, Hackney Wick, let's get a warehouse out there and have a big party. And that's yeah. like when something is sort of over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the book is, um, it's kind of, I did it with Hox Mini Press and it's, there's only 57 things in there and it was really uh, hard to narrow stuff down. And I, it's not my, it's not my opinion of what the, are the best things to do in East London. It's kind of like an opinion of kind of, you know, it's, it's a kind of like gentrified opinion of what's good to do in London. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. I, and, but I've got like, had quite a lot of flack from 
people who are like, well, where's this, where's that? And it's like, it wasn't that book, but I do go to all those places. Yeah. And um, I think that there's definitely a difference of like the stuff that I write about in Time Out and, and then the stuff that I do yeah. in real life. And uh, I think that's kind of, that's about the book. But yeah, I think um, people, yeah, people are moving out and they're trying to find like cheaper spaces. Mm. And I think as stuff gets developed, there's like, there's pause periods where like stuff isn't being, people aren't living in places and there's kind of like moments where people can take over really amazing spaces and do cool stuff there. But, um, but yeah, it's getting further out. I mean, some of my friends have just moved to Plumstead. Wow. I'm not even sure what that is. Diane knows about like Plumstead. Plumstead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I hear it's very cool. Yeah. Um, I just look really long to get there. Yeah. But, um, it does happen yeah. though. Like more increasingly so, people are moving further and further out. But you know, then you get, you get more space and then I think the more people that move out there, then you know, that's kind of how it works, isn't it? Something I wanted to ask you about Time Out London. <laughs> so living in London, I mean, in fact, I haven't done this yet. Show of hands, how many people live in London? Okay, for the listeners at home, that's about 4,000 people, about 80% of the room. Um, <laughs> so you'll know that uh, be, being uh, London, you overhear some ridiculous things. Like I was in prep earlier, this actually happened, and someone was on the phone and said, as long as she doesn't have diarrhea, it's going to be fine. <laughs> I don't know where that was going. Uh, but Sonia, this is a part of Time Out London, is you have, there's a page, isn't there, where it's yeah, overheard um, in London. Yeah, it's called Word on the Street. It's the most popular thing Time Out ever does. It's probably like the best thing that we've great. ever done. Um, <laughs> people are like, I love Time Out. Word on the street. I love word on the street. Yeah. It's like you don't really read the rest. You just repeat it. It's just brilliant. Um, and you've, we've got some tonight. They're which... all real. Can I just say that they're all real and that there are things people have tweeted or told us about. Like, you know, people ask me that a lot. I just okay. want to clear that up. So we've got, yeah. I think we've got some. Alana's got the microphone and she's going to ask some of our nice audience members to read out some of these word on the street uh, quotes. So. I've eaten peacock. It's just chicken that wears Dolce & Gabbana. <laughs> if oysters make you high, I'm high all day. That's good. <laughs> okay. I want to lie on the floor while you grate cheese into my mouth. It's my favourite one. It's my favourite one. I did not say that, but that was my favourite. <laughs> I heard you say that earlier. Yeah. I couldn't date the kind of person who gets excited about Aerosmith. Vic, <laughs> I like Aerosmith. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. I had a bran flake explosion in my bag. <laughs> We've all been there. Why are all your pets named after old white people? <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple more over there. My plant refuses to drink tap water. I have to buy bottled. <laughs> <laughs> all real. Round of applause for our uh, quotes. <laughs> You can tweet us them anytime with hashtag word on the street. Something I wanted to ask you is if someone had never been to London before, or maybe if they lived on another planet and never heard of London before, what's the one thing that you would say to them is quintessentially London? Diane, what, what would you say? I don't know where to start really, Greg. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the best pie mash shops, eh? Who likes pie mash? Oh, lovely, jubbly. So there's this pie mash, quintessentially London, because it was for the poor, poor people ages ago. It was called Ill Pies. They used to make Ill Pies. That's about Ill Pie Island. So the poor people lived on eels. I mean, these days you couldn't afford them. 
you know, they're, they're, sort of what, they're, they're so expensive. But the pie mash shops emerged because they were like the McDonald's or the Kentucky Fried Chicken of, of the day for the working class people. But pie mash to me, because there's two families left, there's Manzi's and there's Armand's. Armand's is just down the wharf road. Manzi's has still got some in Peckham, I think Deptford. But they're gradually, so, so they're over 100 years old, these families, and it's all the old tradition. But, you know, it's, it's highly recommended. Go down Armand's wharf road, right? <laughs> That's yeah. pie and mash, there pie you go. Pie and mash, it's proper. Jeremiah, what would you say, quintessentially London? Um, escalators. <laughs> escalators? Yes, hear me out. Um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel that if you're from London, um, if you've spent any time in London, you have been on escalators. I think that's, that's, that's there's no denying that. Also, um, I think just you you kind of get every every experience of being a Londoner from being on an escalator. So you get the kind of the the sort of the frustration. Um, you know you're really London when you're going down an escalator and someone is standing on the left and you're like, why are you why are you standing on the left? Yeah, like <laughs> excuse me. You also know the kind of the frustration of other Londoners who don't want to talk to the person in front of them who's standing on the left, so they stand behind them and you're like, just say excuse me because they're not gonna, they just don't know. Um, I think there's so many very London experiences that happen on an escalator. Um, and then also just, you know, being with your friends on an escalator. Um, you know, when you're by yourself, you walk down on the left, but when you're with a friend, you know, you stop, you stand, stand. you talk. Everyone in like, you know, like when you turn around and they're behind you and you're there like that. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, being romance on an escalator. Um, have, you, have you ever tried that yourself? Um, I, <laughs> um, yeah, like, your girlfriend is shorter than you and she's, you know, and you're going up and then or she's on the highest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's like, look lovingly into yeah. her eyes. So much happens on an escalator. Um, and I think if we're talking quintessentially London, escalators, man. Escalators. escalators. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Sonia, what's uh, well, I don't know where you go from there, but uh, well, up or down, I guess. But what, what would you say <laughs> is... <laughs> I mean, you go down to the tube. Uh, the tube is the thing that brings everyone together, I think. That's like, whenever we write a blog post about the tube, it has the most amount of comments. Does it? People are very into talking about the tube, like slagging it off, you know, talking about the new green bits on the platform. Well, no, that's a, that's a contentious point, right? If no one's seen the news, so... <laughs> no, this, this is big news, right? So, previously, on the underground, if you knew your stuff, you could stand at the exact right point where the doors open because it's like, well, it's a secret, so don't tell anyone uh, or listen to this podcast. Well, if you use but, City Mapper, it tells you where to stand. It's not that it? much of a secret. But anyway, the idea is that the floor is like slightly more scuffed so you know exactly where yeah, to stand. That's but the thing, now yeah. they've put these green marks on the underground so that everyone's just going to be queuing up at the right place. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's not really... I mean, taking the tube is quite London, yeah. but I feel like I should probably say something better. Um, <laughs> like, in my capacity, it's a timeout. Um, no, I think the tube's a good answer to that, because it's got its own weather system, so yeah. it's kind of... It's got its own smell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got its, you know, there's its tube politics. Yeah. Two politics. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, of like, you know, where who stands where, the way people move around. People yeah. are like in their own little worlds on their phone. Like, do you look someone in the eye? Yeah. 
Yeah, what happens when no. there's a delay? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's big. No, I don't know. Um, for, like, stuff to do in London, obviously, there's, there's loads. I think when people come and stay with me who are not from London, I usually take them for a walk down by the Thames just because mm. you get to see loads of it. It's quite nice to have a bit of, like... In London, it's quite hard to have a view unless you go up high. Um, so it's kind of nice to have a bit of the, the Thames kind of separate stuff and you get to see a bit of sky and you go down by the South Bank and there's like cool stuff down there mm. and then you can walk along or just like, and then you can end up, you know, in Greenwich, you can go to Trinity Boy Wharf, there's a lighthouse. Yeah. There's like, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good stuff happening down head by the, the Thames. Head for the river. Yeah, head for the river. I'd agree with that. Right, time's nearly up guys. And Diane, earlier you mentioned that you might be able to host <laughs> a sing-along of gonna some do? sort. I don't know if they know the words. Well, we'll, we'll have we'll to have wait and go. see. <laughs> well, just a couple of little songs. They're only short ones, right? Okay. One, two. Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner that I love a London so. Oh, maybe it's because I'm a Londoner that I think of her wherever I go. I get a funny feeling inside of me, just a walking up and down. And maybe it's because I'm a Londoner that I love a London town. Get off me, Barra, that I love a London town. One more, one more short one, yeah? One more, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, listen to this, right? We had to move away, cause the rent we couldn't pay. The moving van came round just after dark. There was me and my old man, shoving things inside the van, as we'd often done before, let me remark. Well, we packed all we could pack in the van, and that's a fact. And we got inside all we could get inside. Then we packed all we could pack on the tailboard at the back till there wasn't any room for me to ride. You'll know this. My old man said, follow the van and don't dilly-dally on the way. Oh, off I went the van with me own packed in it. I walked behind with me old cockle in it. I dillied and dallied, dallied and dillied. Lost the van and don't know where to roam. Oh, well, you can't trust the specials like the old time coppers when you can't find your way young. Beautiful. Um, guys, that's all we've got time for tonight, I'm afraid. We're going to have a quick Q&A in a minute, but first, can you just put your hands together for our three brilliant panellists tonight? Sonia Barber, Jeremiah Brown, Diane Gould. Now, would anyone like to ask a question to any of our panellists tonight? Got a question. Hi, Mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sonia, um, a question for Sonia. There must be a secret treasure place that you love in London that you just don't want to tell anybody about. Can you tell us where that place is tonight? Oh God, I don't want to. I, I, I promise we won't put it in the rough guide to London. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I have lots of those. Uh, I think 
my current favourite place is one I mentioned briefly earlier is um, Trinity Boy Wharf. It's down on, on the river and there's a lighthouse and there's a piece of music that's playing there for a thousand years. It's called Long Player right. and it's, uh, it's kind of, you can sit up in there, it's super atmospheric and uh, you can look over the river and there's no one there because no one knows about it. So uh, go there before this comes out. <laughs> playing, playing for a thousand years? Yeah, to say it's one piece of music playing for the, it's basically just like a sort of sound. It's made on singing bowls. Yeah, it's, it's really not, beautiful. It's not the same, like it's different. It's like, never the same. It's never the same, it's yeah. It's never the same. Wow. It's made by Jem Finer, who was in the Pogues. There you go. Fact. Well, month, next weekend, I'll uh, see you there. <laughs> 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 Any other questions from anybody? Or should we all just go and have a beer? Oh, one more question. <laughs> I, for everyone, I guess. Um, what would be your ideal Sunday? <sighs> aside, aside from sleeping. Sleeping doesn't count. I suppose um, for me it'd be exploring just walking along the Thames and just looking at all the, all the places that are not much visited because there's lots of interesting places just not on the map. You know, all the little nooks and crannies or around Greenwich, the oldie bits, you know, or, or going along the, just the riverbank fascinates me, so. Um, I had, so I was doing a uh, residency on... As part of Totally Thames, I was a resident on a boat on the MBN, M, M, MB, MBNA, um, MBNA Thames Clippers, uh, which is like the tube of the Thames. Um, so I think if I was to have like a perfect Sunday, um, I think I'd chill on the boat, uh, go down the river, uh, get off, meet a few friends, Couple, couple, couple glasses of rum. <laughs> uh, head to a poetry night. Uh, listen to some poems, some more rum, um, and then head home. Yeah, that sounds like a good Sunday. <laughs> a really good Sunday. I want to do that Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that sounds perfect. <laughs> Do you want mine? Yeah, I do want yours. Oh no, mine's gonna be really time outy and make me sound like that's a what we want. Twat. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> we're just here. <laughs> yeah. So I'd go for brunch. Um, Smashed so avocados. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna say all of the really like hipster things. Yeah. I'd uh, go for bottomless brunch. Here, where you drink bottomless booze. No, I just go and have breakfast like a normal person, and then I live not too far. Well. I might go to the Lido in London Fields because I live really near there and it's about to reopen after being shut for ages and I'm really excited. And then I'd probably go to Columbia Road and get some plants because I've just bought so my house is turning into a jungle and I'm really happy about that. It's hard to leave Columbia Road Market without like, a without, pineapple tree in one arm. late, yeah, it's like, oh, I've killed a lot of banana trees. I've yeah. got really excited about them. And I've been like, oh, this will be fine in my flat. It's not. Um, and then I'd probably go for a roast. At, uh, a friend of mine uh, is the chef at a pub around the corner from my house. And I'd go there and I'd get drunk and I'd eat loads of food and it'd be great. What's the pub called? Roll the Prince George in Dalston. Everyone should go there. It's really delicious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's not paying me to say that. But, um, yeah. Nice. Okay, I think that's it. Thanks so much for coming, everyone. It's been loads of fun. This episode is going to be going up uh, on Monday, which is when we're going to be rebooting the series of the podcast. Uh, it'll be running until Christmas time, so subscribe and tune in. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs>